Hello. How are you, Carl? It is a nice day, so nice I'm doing this on my porch. So that is fun because it has been unbeastly hot, as you well know. Oh, yes. We will talk to the Tennessee Williams St. Louis people. That's TWSTL.org. We'll talk to Carrie Houck and Bradley, who's in the lead of Rose Tattoo. Around minute 26, we'll talk bodies, bodies, bodies. Around minute 36, we'll talk 13 lives. Around minute 41, Gabby Giffers won't back down. Around minute 48, movie anniversaries and Olivia Newton-John and Anne Heche passing. And then we'll have the theater wrap up around minute 59. Well, it's mid-August, and you know what that means. That means it's the Tennessee Williams Festival, St. Louis, and that is one of my favorite things to do in the summer, and it is now the seventh year. Yeah. So that's quite a thing. So welcome, Carrie, and welcome, Bradley Tejada, one of the stars. Welcome. Good. It's good to see all of you. So, Bradley, do you consider St. Louis your second home? Yes, I do. Took the words out of my mouth. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, Bradley, I first recognized your name when the Tennessee Williams Festival pivoted from Tennessee and Italy to the radio shows of 2020. And I heard your voice. And I was intrigued. And then last year you were Tom in the Glass Menagerie. And that was my favorite production last year. And you were one of my favorite actors last year. Thank you very much. That means a lot coming from me. Appreciate that. That's really nice. But Lynn, you might remember Bradley from the Shakespeare Festival. And Bradley was a 2019 or 2018 2019 2019 yeah 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 and and after that show after that show at the opening party when I met Carrie um she just said Alvaro you know we're gonna do the rose tattoo we'd love you to come read for for Alvaro and so that was the next thing and then the world changed so (laughs) yes it did and that's right love's labor's lost because you were that was a great show i loved his performance i met him at the opening night party i was leaving for italy the next morning and wasn't (laughs) going until just before the run concluded weeks later so before he left town we met at the boathouse for an iced tea. And then he came over the next day to read in my dining room. I said, this is not an official anything. I just want to hear these scenes of Alvaro and Serafina in my dining room with Rami Cornell. And the rest is history. <laughs> it is. Well, Carl, you saw Love's Labor Lost because you always go to Shakespeare Festival. I do. I go every year. It's a tradition oh, with my family. Uh, that was our uh, St. Louis Theater Circle winner that year, Love's Labor's Lost. Oh. Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, I remember you because there were some very strong women in that show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great cast, yeah. Yeah, and Patrick yeah. Blindauer won our um, sporting actor. Love him. Love yeah. that man. Yeah, so... Anyway, now cut to you get to have Tennessee Williams in Italy. And I was reading the Post-Dispatch article that Calvin did about it's under the big top. 
So what are the cha- last year you were outside in Tennessee Williams uh, home and this year you're right. going to be under the big top. So what is that like? Yeah. All, all the theater I've done with that, Carrie. No, go ahead, Bradley. No, all, all, all the theater I've done here in St. Louis has been outdoors. Um, <laughs> but right. this, this, this big top, uh, we do have air conditioning. Yes. It's, it's such an interesting, mysterious place. Um, sound wise, we're like learning with microphones, um, bigger cats, right? Much more business, much more people involved in this one than last year. So, um, the David Kaplan, when I met him in New York, when I was going in and out, I was able to meet with him at, at his favorite diner uptown. And, uh, Everything was just so overwhelming. He had brilliant, amazing, well thought out ideas that was, yes, yeah, I, everything is so clear, but is this real? You know, I was like, is this really going <laughs> to, this is crazy. I didn't realize, I'm glad you said that, Bradley. I'm going to talk a little <laughs> bit about the seeds of this production. Many years ago, before I even knew David Kaplan or knew that I would, you know, one of the last chapters of my career would be helming a Tennessee Williams Festival. I, I uh, was sitting on the back lot of Circus Flora with my dear friend and founder of Circus Flora, David Balding. And David, he's now deceased, but he was a dear friend and a theater guy at heart. He was, he was more a theater person than a circus person. And I told him that I had this Williams play that I was in love with and I'd never seen it live, but I envisioned it as a Fellini-esque um, uh, traveling, a small one ring European circus a la La Strada. Um, And he loved the idea and we just would toss it around. But again, it was just a dream, an idea, a seed. And then, you know, years later, not years, a few years later, the festival happened accidentally. (laughs) And I met David Kaplan along the way and fell in love with his work. And I, we talked about it probably five or six years ago I mean shortly after we met and I said if I do this festival this is one of the things on my list in the big top tent and um yeah we're having we're having I had a different director in 2020 and we were going to do it at the Grand Theater in a more straightforward way and you know then that director was no longer available and last summer I mentioned to Kaplan that I, I wanted to do it this year. He was in town to see the Glass Menagerie and we shook hands on Minster Place outside of Tennessee Williams apartment building to, uh, to say, okay, we're doing it. We're insane, but here we go. And Bradley, I'm glad you said that there's an unrealistic factor to this whole dream of ours. But, yeah. you know, when we loaded in the aerial equipment and set up the pen for the goats and figured out where the horse was going to be backstage and, you know, saw James Wolk's beautiful set, I thought, wow, we are doing this and we are opening on August 18th. And I'm really proud of all of us. Wow. Well, that is, um, as you can tell from the talk about horses and goats and aerialists we are going to have a real circus setting so is this going to be like a Fellini movie yeah David and I have sort of started with the La Strada theme and certainly there 
there, but also another favorite is Juliet of the Spirits. And um, where, you know, Juliet is really the only real human in the, in, the, in the movie and everyone else is an apparition. And that's sort of David Kaplan's take on the show. Um, there's an otherworldly quality to it. And yet it's really grounded in Serafina's feet, I think. You know, and basically, you know, we've been saying this, it's a story of love, loss, and new love. And it really boils down to that. And, and the, the possibilities of that and the celebration of life, which I think, you know, we all need right now, right? Yes, definitely. I remember the first time I interviewed David Kaplan, uh, I think it might've been the second year of the festival. And he told me his uh, view on Tennessee Williams, his writing is all about loss. It's loss of beauty, loss of innocence, wow. loss of love, loss of youth. And I found that fascinating that he had tapped into that. And I think uh, this has got some, because you're talking about love and uh, Bradley, tell me about your character. Yeah, my character, Alvaro, um, you know, I'm trying to stay on the topic of love. Um, I don't have it together. Um, my character is very compromised in a different way on the opposite side of the funny mirror, right, um, than she is. So I just come in like this. I, I'm not even... I, I, I need help and she helps me. And I don't think it, uh, she's given that opportunity and permission or it, she's, I don't know, she has no choice in a way. I'm kind of this bomb, this, this kind of um, emotional wreck um, that's supposed to have the body of her husband but the head of a clown. So I, I, I kind of disorient her in a way and kind of wake her up and she has to deal with my um, emotional, like I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not coming in and like terrorizing her and being Stanley Kowalski, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming in with my, please help me, <laughs> you know, I need help. Uh, and we just kind of meet somewhere in the middle. And um, it's been great to find this with Raimi. Um, we're both physical actors. And I think that's been easy to find the, we're in sync, we're the, the physical chemistry it's a very physical a lot you know a lot of uh, moves are made uh and and so it's just it feels like a circus up there and i just never you know when you prepare to do a role you got the film in your head right you got every line you got every stage direction you're trying mind is kind of leading the way but after day one um with like direct address <laughs> and the physicality of everything. I started to learn this thing in a whole new way. Uh, and it felt like I wasn't doing the film kitchen sink version of the rose tattoo. I was doing this wild thing under that, that was eventually gonna be under a circus tent, you know? And so uh, he's great. I love working with David. I work with David again. <laughs> he's an actor's director. He works in layers. And me, that's good for me. I, sometimes I'll get ahead of myself and just, just give me one thing. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Like we'll, we'll stack on. So it's just been, I've learned so much and I want to direct in my lifetime. So I've been taking all my notes uh, in this process and it's just been wonderful. Like, you know, can I add that David has been preparing for this for one year now with me 
We talk on the phone every morning at 6.30 a.m. Uh, voluntarily. <laughs> We're both morning people. <laughs> You know, he's been he, he's been planning this and planning this and planning this, but he came in with an open mind in that, well, this might work and this might work. And nothing was set in stone. And luckily, with the team of actors who we have, and I say you're, you're many stars who form one beautiful constellation, it has just been a thing of beauty to see everybody like create in front of our eyes and Ramey and Bradley both came in, you know, just so utterly prepared and yet open to a, a, a different vision of this play. This is the yeah. play, I want that to be really clear. The whole text is there. We don't stop the show to have a circus. All of the circus elements are integrated with the ensemble them the proteans they play all the other roles um actually bradley's role is even he, he, he as an actor is actually a protean at times too until he appears as alvaro um which is a little later in the in the play but it is you know it's a world that that uh, is happening around her that isn't quite real and yet it's getting to her to a new place of open-heartedness it gets her head out of the bucket of oil that she's been in since oh, her loss. Yeah. Well, Serafina is, uh, was played in the movie by Anna Magnini and she won an Oscar for that role. Yeah. And Ramey, I'm just familiar with, she was one of King Lear's daughters, Carl, in last yes. year's yes. King Lear. And she teaches at Webster and, <laughs> So um, she's going to be. She's a real Williams actor too. She did a couple of real productions in 2020. Um, oh, that's right. She did. Yeah, she did the uh, Summer at the Lake and uh, uh, um, The Lady of Larkspur Lotion. She played Mrs. Oh, yeah. And that was Bradley. I remember you. You were the, yeah. the rooming house. The, yeah. 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 Oh, wow, she knew, she knew all of them. Huh? She, she knew all the radio plays. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they were fascinating. And uh, look at where Elizabeth is today. I know, right? It's so exciting. Uh, so last so last year, I read up on the Rose Tattoo when you were going to have it again. And I read about Tennessee Williams fell in love with Italy when he finally had some money after Glass Menagerie, and I think maybe Streetcar, he went to Italy, and that became his home away from home, and that's why he set a couple things there, and he was always so fond of it, because as we know, St. Louis wasn't uh, one of, it was, it nurtured him, but also it was a miserable part of his formative years, but... We but built on that. A lot of his best work, right? Um, you know, he did happen to like the hill neighborhood and wrote about the hill art uh, Italian slash Sicilian uh, neighborhood. You know, and it has been for over a hundred years. So he he we're going to be presenting um, um, pieces of his writing about the hill uh, and mm. and play uh, excerpts on in the course of the morning of panels oh okay well i've been to those panels before and they're very uh enjoyable and enlightening and they always are so well done 
There's going to be a bocce tournament, Carl. And Ooh. there's going to be a, a tour of the hill. And Carrie always does these things that are um, ancillary parts yeah. of the, the yeah. festival. So, so the thing, I believe, is what you should say, not ancillary. <laughs> okay. So the... Um, I saw spelling bee, so I'm trying to use bigger words. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so the uh, festival is running August 18th to 28th, and the performances are Thursday through Saturday at 7.30 at the Big Top in the Grand Center and at 3 p.m. on Sunday. And then we have the extra things on the weekend. So to get the festival, what's your website, Carrie? TWSTL.org, TWSTL.org, and MetroTix.com also has the full schedule. We have a free screening of a Williams movie, um, The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone, and we're doing the Vivian Lee Warren Beatty version on Wednesday night, the 24th at St. Ambrose. It's free. Um, right on the hill. Yeah, right on the hill. Yeah, Tennessee Williams are Sunday night of our first weekend, which will be at Guido's on the hill <sighs> in the garden. They're That's one of our favorite out. places. Carl, know. Knows Carl just went fishing with the, the owner and readings from the plays and letters. And Joey Merlo, who is the great, um, great nephew of Frank Merlo. William's longtime love is coming to our festival with some love letters from them and oh. stories Frank and Joey's an actor too he's just I'm just so fond of him I befriended him years ago when I heard him read some of these letters at the Provincetown Festival so he'll be on one of the panels he'll be in the reading and then you can come to Guido's and order food and you know drink he'll, they'll have the restaurant open and so Tony, Tony Viviano is going to be singing. He he said, oh, I'm going to be in sing, yes. singing in different corners of the restaurant while people yeah. are doing the thing. And that's a ticketed event through Metro Ticks. The walking tour, I think, on Saturday is close to being... We're adding one the second weekend, um, which I can't wait to go on myself. Salvatore Martarelli is our guide. And he, boy, he knows things I've never known about that neighborhood really interesting facts and it'll be fun and we'll buy some cookies and prosciutto away um so yeah i'm 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 very excited we don't have to worry about rain this year because we're in a tent um oh right yeah yeah uh, well last year you had trains going by and oh, not, not trains you had uh, uh, sirens yeah we had no rain though of the eight performances, not a drop of rain. And we had the beautiful moon. And, mm, you know, that one was really. Uh, Very special. The New York Times wrote about it. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty big deal that the New York Times wrote it. So, Bradley, why do you like uh, doing Tennessee Williams? What about him attracts you to the work? Well, I haven't done enough production work with Tennessee, right? But I, I've done a lot of reading, and the first, the last thing I, the last thing I read silently. I'm a good silent reader. I have to read out loud. It keeps me engaged. So, I'm just, I have a strict relationship with him and his words on paper. Um, 
production work, I'm only just begun. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, uh, but he has these, he feels the closest thing to Shakespeare to me and as, as, as to a lot of people, I think, because he has these, he talks about the, the body parts, the heart, the lungs, he's all over the body, but he's also just, he's, he's always got characters that say, look up there, you see that? You see that moon? Look at, it's just this grand, he's connected to the outside, he's connected to the inside. And Shakespeare and him do that differently, but they do it nevertheless. Um, and so that's why I just, me, um, I did not know Frank Merlo. We had a connection coming with Frank Merlo, but um, that his life is in his place. He can't get out of his place. You find spices and truth just lurking from him inside of these other people that he has written all these different heartbeats on stage. And he, he knows they're all, no character I feel like is like functionary to the plot. They're all after something for themselves. And I don't know how you do that as a writer. I hope I get, I get to do that a couple times, but uh, he's amazing. And so I guess that's why. So tell yeah. us about the cast. Tell us uh, about the whole, uh, isn't it a big cast, Carrie? It is, although we didn't cast every role individually. Some people are playing dual roles. Again, um, other than Alvaro and Serafina, everyone's sort of playing other roles. And uh, I got to tell you, there isn't a weak link in the bunch. They're just beautiful to watch. And they came in from day one, just ready to play. And uh, um we're so lucky. I mean, we had to re we, we, we've had to replace maybe one or two, but it always worked out, out really well. In fact, we had to replace someone who was due to play the accordion, which we feel is a really important instrument, you know, cr to create a Sicilian community. And uh, <laughs> I called an actor who I've never been able to work with, but who I've seen a lot with Young Liars and ERA. Uh, Lucy Cashin and Will Bonfilio's theater. And um, I just love him, Mitch Henry Eagles. Oh, and yeah. Read for oh, us. Yeah, he's great. I said, you know, Mitch, I know you're a pianist, but by any chance, do you play the accordion? Well, no. I said, but if we got you one, do you think that you could figure it out? So I found one like 10 minutes later on Facebook Marketplace, and it's gorgeous. It's from Italy. It's white ivory and it's ancient and it's, it's called La Tosca. So Mitch picked it up, it was a hundred bucks. And the next day he was playing the accordion. So, wow. you know, wow. this well, well enough to be in a performance. Yeah. And he, you know, everyone's just been game, if I could say, and open to playing and not questioning why, why do you want me to do this? <laughs> um, so it, it's for theater. Even though we've double cast some of the roles, it's still a pretty big troop, wouldn't you say, Bradley? It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's and, not and everybody feels needed. Everybody feels needed. Yeah. You know, we are all a, a group of these small stars and we yeah. all have to be listening and in sync. So it just feels special when you have a group of actors doing that. And yeah, just, and the designers you know. too are part of the, the constellation. I mean, you know, again, we had a replacement in scenic design at the at a very uh, last minute, and James Walk, who did our gorgeous award-winning set for Streetcar Named Desire, 
became available. It was sheer luck, serendipity. And boy, he really understood what David wanted and just created this, this, this you know, atmosphere of, of the Gulf Coast of Mississippi at this time in, in life and uh, Serafina's world. Um, and well, he's, he's fabulous because what he does with the set is really yeah. remarkable. He usually does the stages St. Louis sets every summer, but this year... Karate Kid had its own a scenic wow. designer, and then he's, he's in the Forest Line, which will be opening, I believe. Oh October. yeah, but yes. I got him in this September availability, and he's worked with Opera Theater and the Rep and Shakespeare, um, and you know James and I sort of grew up in the same theatrical atmosphere in New York City, um, and so we speak the same language, and um, you know Lower East Side, seven nineteen seventies, we we're yeah. from that world, and. Um, what he did, you know, going back to streetcar, we had very little budget for that set. And, you know, he knew the limitations coming in and it was just exactly the world we wanted to create. Um, and it was multi-layered. Yeah. With the tenements. I, and I haven't been able to get him back since then. So I feel very fortunate. Uh, and so, and really excited by this show and not like, why are you doing this? Which <laughs> we've been met with, with some people along the way, but um, <laughs> my slogan for the show is it's going to be something to see. And I want everyone yes. to get tattooed from August 18th through 28th. So you can go to TWSTL.org. That stands for Tennessee Williams, St. Louis.org. TWSTL.org to get show times, to get tickets, to get everything on all the information you need, you find out which venue you're going to and spend the next week and a half, starting on the 18th, doing Tennessee Williams things. That's exactly right. Thank you, Carl. You're welcome, Karen. Thank you so much. And thanks for bringing this to St. Louis and Bradley. Thanks for being so involved the last couple of years because it's been a delight. Your work well, has been- I'm not letting him go, Lynn. I mean, I told <laughs> you- You have, you got to buy a house here now. We have to like start talking future i really love the idea of forming a company of people who work with us repeatedly not to eliminate newcomers of course but just the people we know who we love to work with and who understand williams um and bradley is part of this family he was from the get-go he was from the first radio play yeah he was from our first meeting at the boathouse <laughs> yes that was a good meeting yeah. <laughs> well enjoy your stay here and i look forward to seeing you i am coming the 19th oh, awesome wow. thank you carl i thank you You're break welcome. a leg thank you <laughs> well then yes is... they're on their way to the rehearsal well that's great i i want to try something here can you he still hear me, Lynn? Yes. You cannot hear me. No, I, was, I can. Oh, you could hear me. Well, I didn't know. Okay. Uh, well, good. Um, we're going to switch gears now. <laughs> we're going to switch gears to a horror film, which is really, it. it is by A24, and it's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And it is not what you think it is. It is the best part I can say about this. It is a, a new age of horror films because it is 
the story was by a woman, it was written by a woman, and it was directed by a woman. So this is not like your regular horror film at all. And A24 is good at, at finding these projects, and they are good at finding their audience as well. So the movie stars people that we've, ha- we've heard about before. We have Amanda Stenberg, who plays Sophie. Uh, she was in The Hate You Give. And then there's Maria Bakalova, who was Borat's daughter in Borat's subsequent movie film. And then um, you have some other actors I, I did not know who they were. Uh, Chase Sui Wonders, Rachel Sennett, uh, Connor O'Malley, who is mm, barely in the film. And then you have the uh, more known adult stars, Lee Pace, who was great on Pushing Daisies, and he was uh, he was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But who knows if the multiverse might bring him back? And then, and also Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live and the King of Staten Island. And Lynn, you and I believed that this would be a uh, Drew Barrymore in Scream kind of moment because we didn't think that Pete Davidson would be in this film very long. I am going to tell you that he is in this film more than I thought he would be. Well, that's a he, good way of saying it. He, I it is a horror it. film. So I missed it. A lot of the people get killed and it is not... No, I don't, I don't want to say. But you... And Max and myself all were debating how long Pete Davidson would stay alive in this movie. And we were not very far off. Okay. <laughs> but I will say that uh, since this is a new kind of horror film and also directed by a woman, uh, it is, uh, how can I say this? It's not gory and it is not... Uh, all the all the deaths take place off screen. Real, you don't really see like anybody get stabbed or get really killed. And even if they are on screen, it's done in a way that's not horrible. Uh, Helena Rain. I don't I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. It's H A L I N A. I guess that's Helena. And then Rain R E I G N. Uh, she's Dutch. She directed the film and. I liked the directing in this film. The story is basically an Agatha Christie novel. All these rich kids come to this house and then one by one, they all die. So that is the premise of this film. Um, Some people are new to this little clique of rich kids and some people have been with them a long time and they talk about racism, they talk (laughs) about classism, they talk about addiction. It is a very very more clever than it needs to be film. And one of the actresses I have not talked about is Mahala Harold, who plays a very strong-willed friend who kind of drives the story in parts because there's a weird dynamic with all of these friends. Uh, Pete Davidson's parents own the house. They haven't heard from Amanda Stenberg's character for a long time. She is playing Sophie. She's technically the lead and then she has a brand new girlfriend that's maria baklova she is b except (laughs) since she has her uh eastern european accent i'm i could never tell if it was b or v i had to find that out later well she's the oscar nominee from borat yes but she still has the accent from where she was and so 
uh, I couldn't tell if it was B or V, but I looked it up and it's B. She, she's very good at, she is us in this movie because she's not rich. She's just the girlfriend of the rich people. Okay. And what, ask me what you want to ask me about this film because I don't want to say very much more. Okay, is it a fun summer romp? It's no. One of the, no? <laughs> no, it's not. And that's another thing about the film. You know how we always say that uh, these films are for a certain audience, like people of a certain age? This is for also a people of a certain age because they're all about the TikTok and the social influencing. And one person has a podcast. One person is an actress. We don't know how big of an actress is, she is, but she was in Hedda Gabler. So... It's very of the moment. I don't know how 10 years from now this this will be a piece of its time, I would say. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I'm intrigued because A24 always does intriguing work. Uh, Sometimes to their own detriment. Yes. Some of it is out there and they are known to push the envelope and go to the edge and uh, they, uh, uh, the lamb last year. Yeah. And also the red rocket. <laughs> that, but see, that caught critical acclaim as well. Right. And Simon Rex is in this movie that I haven't watched yet, Mac and Rita, but we'll talk about that next week. Okay. So, well, I'm intrigued. I'm sorry I missed it. Getting old. <laughs> this movie's not for you. Yes, no. But that doesn't mean you can't appreciate it. Right. There's well, th- there's a, over your head. Yeah, there's a lot of movies for me. And then we have movies that are supposed to be for me that turn into pandering. This, so. this isn't pandering. And I really like the fact that it's not gory because it is called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, I and, thought it was just going to be this slasher fest that no, was going to have a lot of humor in it. Um, so there are there are a couple of very funny parts and there are a lot of uncomfortable funny parts too because the bodies 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 is like a a, it's like a murder in the dark kind of movie everybody pulls pulls a uh piece of paper and if you're an ex you're a murderer then the lights go out and you gotta try to kill somebody and then if you're the murderer are you really killing people at the place so and because these kids are very freaked out once death happens as we all would be (laughs) Well, yes, of course, uh, that would be, you know, and especially, well, it's heightened reality. So it's not as bloody as bullet train, not as no. many bodies as bullet train. Um, no, there are still, there are still a lot of bodies. Uh, hmm. Owen Gleiberman from Variety said it was, and then there were none staged by Jen Cassavetes in the age of Instagram. I would have said TikTok, but yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It, it It's. It's well done. I thought it was clever. Of course, some a little some parts are too clever, but it's not great. It's good. And it's only an hour and a half. So it's it's a, a you don't need to make horror films longer. I, I I do recommend this film. I do. It's not it's not gonna be we're not gonna be talking about it at the end of the year, but it is going it I I'm Glad I saw it. And I think it might, by the time it's on secondary, which will be uh, renting and pay-per-view, it'll be right around Halloween. So I think it'll have a 
Second Life. If A24 can find the audience for this, it will be very successful. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I uh, have two movies that I saw that you can watch in the comfort of your own home. That is 13 Lives, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime. That's and Ron Howard. It is the Ron Howard directed narrative account of the miracle in the cave back in Northern Thailand in 2018, when a soccer coach and his players went exploring this elaborate underground cave system and got caught in the rainstorm that flooded the caves. And there was an international rescue. Viggo Mortensen and Colin Firth play the two British divers who were the first people to spot the boys after 10 days. And Joel Edgerton plays the Australian anesthesiologist that was also a diver and came up with the risky plan to inject the boys with antibiotic and also I think some sort of, you know, relax so they could get in the water and not freak out and, and it worked. They had no casualties. It's not a spoiler alert because it happened. It happened and it was a news story. And, and, and it, it was had, relatively recent. And it captured the world. People from seven different countries, 5,000 people helped with this rescue. It as like Ron Howard did in Apollo 13. He makes a suspenseful, even though we know what happened. He makes it nail biting, especially with the parents. And the government is actually very helpful in this regard. And then they have to do the Brit, you know, all the divers, the British cave. There's these expert divers from all over the world that do caves, but it was very intricate and uh, really gut-wrenching to see everybody go through that. And what Ron Howard had to do with the rain, the torrential storms, and also the underwater filming. Right. And didn't one of the uh, rescuers die? Yes. One of the, one of the, uh, it was either a Navy SEAL or it was one of the Thai Navy. SEALs. Yeah. 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 Because they were trying, they were trying every which way to get these guys out, these yeah. kids out. Yeah. It's really uh, remarkable. When Joel Edgerton finds out that they're all alive, just the look of relief on his face. And everything because they expected casualties yeah. so it's it's very gripping it is two and a half hours carl oh but it's it's you know you with a true story what do you cut out right right and so i thought it was very well done i gave it a b i think do they, the, the do rest they spend much time with the kids while they're trapped or this is all from the rescuers point of view this is from the rescuers point of view now the uh documentary we saw last year the rescue is a very good chronicle of what all happened and what the talking head said that you know from their perspective this is just a narrative but william nicholson who is an oscar-nominated screenwriter he did gladiator among other movies, he did a really good script. So I think it's good. It's very sprawling because there's a lot to cover, but 
uh, you know, it, it, I, I just think it was very gripping and well done and much better than Ron Howard's last movie, Hillbilly Elegy. Which a lot of people still like. I know. Not, and you then, are not you are um, not one of them. <laughs> but no. And well, what what he has done, you know, Opie, he's always going to be Opie to me because we're the same age. Mm. But what Ron Howard has done, because he's been making films since 1978, he uh, has done a lot of documentaries the past few years. He did the one on the Beatles eight days a week. He did yes. Pavarotti. He did uh, the one about the wildfires in California rebuilding paradise. And he is Emmy nominated for the one he did on Jose Andres, the World Central Kitchen. We feed people. Okay. And so he just did that. That is, by the way, streaming on Disney Plus because it's a National Geographic. Okay. So and, and if, if people remember um, the movie he did before, Hillbilly Elegy was Solo, a Star Wars story that he took over from Lord and Miller that's right so well under Opie, underrated by the way it's underrated well apollo 13 and well he won the oscar for a beautiful mind but right splash is yeah. a hoot mm-hmm. i still like night shift oh night shift was is one i own it on dvd i love that movie michael introduced michael keaton to me shut up so speaking of movies that have had a big bang, oh, well, I'll get to the documentary before we talk about movie anniversaries. Um, Gabby Giffords Won't Back Down. Okay. It is a documentary about the former congresswoman who has now become a gun violence prevention advocate because she was shot in the brain in an assassination attempt in 2011. She was at a meet and greet with constituents in a suburb of Tucson, Arizona, the morning of January 8th, a guy showed up in the crowd, started shooting from a nine millimeter pistol with a 33 round magazine. He struck 19 people. He uh, uh, six people were killed. Gabby was shot in the head and her chief of staff is credited with saving her life. Uh, it uh mark kelly her husband this movie is uh really remarkable it's it's uh directed by julie cohen and betsy west they did the rbg documentary and they did the documentary last year my name is Polly murray and so they know how to do a well-crafted well-told documentary about powerful women and mark kelly is gabby gifford's husband And he was elected to the Senate in 2020. But before that, he was space shuttle cap commander and an astronaut and a former Navy captain. So he asked a friend when she was in the hospital, she's flown to Houston for rehab. When she was in the hospital, he decided it was a good idea to get a friend of his with a video camera to record her progress because he thought she might want to look back on it someday so we have cinema verite we have actual, uh, actual video footage of her recovery efforts and she's in the hospital and they ask her to do things and she can't like thumbs up she can't even do a thumbs up she had to relearn how to talk and walk and feed 
one of the key elements to this is music therapy helped her. Huh. So that's really cool. Classical music, pop music, or just music in general? Music in general, pop music. They came in with the guitars and sang, you know, helped her with her language. And that's a very important part of healing is music therapy. So they show that. And it's remarkable where she came from because for the they have a neurosurgeon, they have a speech pathologist, they have all these people to say what happened. But apparently when it went through her brain, it missed the critical part where she would have been just a veg the rest of her life. So, but she had to relearn everything. She has a thing called aphasia, which is a language impairment. Bruce Willis has that. Yeah. And her, um, her arm, her right arm is partially paralyzed. So she is no longer in Congress. She was a rising star in Tucson. She was third generation business owner. Her grandpa started this tire business and uh, she ran for Congress for the state house state legislator when she was 30 and she was considered a rising star. A lot of energy, a lot of good ideas. She's a centrist. She said a good idea is a good idea, whether it comes from a Republican or Democrat. And so she did things accordingly. Well, then few, you know, cut to the few years after she shot, she and Mark Kelly start a, uh, start an a-, a political action committee. And now she works tirelessly about gun legislation reform and gun control because she can speak to it. Uh, they give an account of the shooting and then they have some news footage. And Mark Kelly talks about NPR pronounced her dead. Oh, wow. He heard that. But that, did he, but he, did he know at the time, did he know that that was not true? No. Oh, because he was, he was in, in te- he was in Texas because, oh, you know, astronauts, oh. Houston. Yeah. She's in Tucson. He hears that she's dead. Hmm. On his way to get there. Yeah. So obviously they had to retract yeah. and uh, uh, it is his journey. He's a remarkable man and he is her rock. He is shown as her rock through this whole thing. They have a really strong marriage. They've been married since 2007. So they were four years into their marriage when she got shot. So it's a definitely, you know, for better, for worse. And, but he's just a remarkable human. So it shows everybody that was involved and then um what's really sad is they talk about the people who were killed that day the six people and one of them was a young girl and her neighbor talks about how she asked her neighbors like anybody want to go to this and this young early teen preteen she said she would and so they were waiting in line when the guy opened fire and very sad it's very sad. She happens to be the granddaughter of remember the manager that the MLB manager, Dallas green. Yeah. That was his granddaughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then her chief of not chief, somebody that was her in her camp, in her office, uh, like a leading guy, he was killed right away too. So is 19 people were shot it's just horrible. And we know we can go on for this race. But anyway, it's a very competent 
uh, documentary, it is available on premium video on demand, which means you go to your platform like Spectrum or DirecTV or Google or Amazon, but you have to pay for it. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's what you got to do. That's the premium part. So, Carl, we got some anniversaries coming up, but we also have a big opening in St. Louis coming up related to the movies. The Alamo Draft House is finally opening this fall in the city foundry. And to celebrate them coming to St. Louis and their 25th anniversary, they're having this Thursday, August 18th, a Monty Python and the Holy Grail interactive movie party. Is it going to be like a Rocky Horror kind of thing? Yes, it's going to be at the Grandel. And it's this troupe that does this and they're going to have a pre-show. So the tickets are only $10 and you can wow. get them through. Yeah, you can get them through Metro Ticks. But it's to celebrate them coming to St. Louis and also the anniversary of uh, their anniversary as a company, 25 years. I've never been to one. Have you been to one? To an Alamo Draft House? No, I have yeah. not. Um, I, I was in Austin uh, once visiting my cousin, and we, we were going to go because I wanted to see it, but we went to an outdoor festival party instead, which was its own kind of weird because Austin, they like to keep Austin weird. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Well, we have a couple big movie uh, anniversaries. Fathom is going to, we're going to be talking about Clerks uh, in a few weeks, but right. Fathom is doing the 35th anniversary of Dirty Dancing this Sunday, uh, August 14th and the 17th. So Ronnie's is usually where you see the Fathom. So if you want to see Dirty Dancing on the big screen, other than that, it's everywhere in the streaming services. You can find it. And then uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Which is very appropriate once Missouri has put marijuana on the ballot. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think that their anniversary is the 14th of uh, August, which is Sunday. So 40 years ago, that coming-of-age comedy that put... A lot of Cameron Crow on the map and a whole slew of young performers opened. So do you recall the first time you saw it? Well, I was too young <laughs> because it came out when I was 12 or 13. So I didn't I knew the songs. I The best thing I knew about it was uh, Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown and the amazing scene. I'd heard about the amazing scene with the cars moving in stereo because I was uh -huh. 12 or 13. And uh, that's a great scene. Well, at the time I used to read Rolling Stone cover to cover and Cameron Crowe being one of the writers wrote about his infiltration of high school as a 16 year old. He went recon and created a story which turned into the script and uh, it launched the career. Well, Sean Penn was just getting noticed. He had been in taps, I think, already. Yes. So he wasn't Sean Penn, two-time Oscar winner yet. Uh, but he was Spicoli. And everybody will remember him. 
And then yeah. Ray Walston was so good as Mr. Well, yeah, but a lot of people, that's like Nicola, Nicolas Cage's first movie. Yeah, and Forrest Whitaker. And Nicolas Cage, it doesn't even use his his stage name. In Nicolas it. Coppola. Yeah. And Phoebe Cates, future Mrs. Kevin Klein. Jennifer Jason Lee. Judge Reinhold. It, it's just, you know, a lot of people who went on to be a lot more famous. Yeah, so it was, uh, it's just going to be memorable for a whole generation. But yeah, they're, I'm sure they're going to have something about it. But you can, if you go to justwatch.com, you can find out where it is if you have a hankering to see it again. But we, you have to remember also, I mean, those guys are great, but Brian Backer, uh, Robert Romanus, and uh, Scott Thompson, Vincent Chevelli is a, plays a great teacher in the movie. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Brian Backer and Robert Romanus have a big part in this, you well, know, a, a huge Demone. Robert Romanus is Bob Demone. You that is such a telling story. And it, that that's hard, a heartbreaking story. I mean, Stacy's story is awful as well, but Demone's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. When I watch movies like this, I'm glad I went to an all girls school. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, on a sad note, we lost Olivia Newton-John this oh, week. And movie crush. I I love. I played her. I've been playing her music all week, except the the one song I couldn't bring myself to play was suddenly her duet with Cliff Richards. And I keep remembering that she and Andy Gibb uh, were very close, and then yes. he passed. Yeah. And then he passed away. I've been listening to the Xanadu soundtrack, the Grease soundtrack, um, the, uh, what was the, Twist of Fate was from, what was the second movie that Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta did in 1983? Oh, yeah, it was bad. Yes, but Twist of Fate is a great song. Yeah, that was just a, a very misguided movie. Well, when I was in college, she came out as a country singer and she won yeah. some country awards. Yeah, they didn't, and like, she they didn't had, like that. Two of had, a kind. Two of a kind was the awful. Oh, movie. two of a kind. That's it. She had. Yeah, two, she started out as a country singer and like she won like the AV uh, CMA award. Yeah. And, like everybody was pissed and like they all met at somebody's house and said, we got to start our own awards because we can't have these. Australian Brits winning our country music. She didn't care. She didn't know. Oh, I know. Well, she was beautiful and just like, you know how Taylor Swift came out of nowhere and then just won everything. Yeah. So uh, she had these two songs in the mid seventies that if you listen to pop radio, you heard over and over and over. It was, I honestly love you. Awful song. And have you never been mellow? Not Which, much better. But no. Let It Be There is a great song. But because the others, besides those two really slow, slow songs, she had other hits when she was a country singer that were much more up-tempo. Yes. Let Me, let me Be There was a, as, as I keep saying, she did a Dylan song. Um, yeah, she if, did. If Not For You. 
Well, the guy, that's right. Well, the guys loved her because she was beautiful. And uh, one of my best friends went to University of Notre Dame in South Bend and we went for a football weekend and he had the album cover, one of Olivia Newton-John's album covers on his wall. And if you love me, let me know is a great country song. So that's how uh, that's how big she was. And then she more and then Greece, she is forever Sandy. And what John Travolta wrote about she was her 29 playing a high schooler. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, Stocker Channing was older, was like 50. Yeah. Well, all those people that have passed on have had kind of sad lives. But uh, the 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 chemistry between her and John Travolta, plus the songs are so good and her just uh radiance and especially the hand jive number and the pink gown and she'll always meet my sister <laughs> my one sister and i went to a grease sing-along in 1998 on the 20th anniversary and yeah. uh, we took our young children with us and they just rolled their eyes like oh my god yeah but at karaoke the guy and the girl always sing you're the one that i want and yeah. i loved like totally hot came out before physical i i make a move on me and i've been listening to Olivia and john all week and those songs are so i'm i'm actually starting to get sick of magic because that's the song that everybody's playing even though it's one of her biggest hits I'm like well play play something else play right. make a move on me right well people just came out i haven't read it with her cover but she had quite the battle with breast cancer she was very candid she had a life of courage and a life of entertaining people. Mm -hmm. And she'll always be remembered fondly. Uh, 73, that's sad because that's not too old. But now we have the very tragic life of Anne Heche. And yeah. I feel bad that people, social media. And it, had, and it, and it, ling the, it lingered on far too long. Yeah, well, this whole, uh, this whole mean-spirited uh social media uh she struggled with mental health mental illness addiction and people can be so cruel yeah and it's been it's turned into this like well she deserved it kind of thing well i feel for i mean that was a horrific accident yeah she and, she would have been in jail if it wouldn't if she wouldn't have died right and she leaves two sons mm-hmm which is sad. And it's just sad because she was talented in the 90s. She she was in Donnie Brasco. She was in seven, the Dog. Six Days, Seven Nights with uh, Harrison Ford. Right. I saw that she was like a pretty big deal. I even think I saw her on Another World. I remember Kyra Cedric. She won an Emmy for that. Yeah. And so so she she was apparently she had a, quite a few projects lined up or done or whatever. So we're going she's to got, she's got a new movie coming out. Uh, the girl in room 13, I believe. Yeah. And then also lifetime's going to release her movie. So it's just sad ending to, uh, to a tale and people should just lighten up. We don't mm -hmm. know what a person goes through in their life. And yes, I feel for the people whose home she hit Oh, and they even they said lighten up. So it's just it's just sad. It's a whole society problem. Uh, by the way, Channel 4, KMOV.com is doing a great public service, and I hope they win a ton of Emmys for this. They have a one-hour documentary about fentanyl crisis in St. Louis. 
Hmm. It is really good and comprehensive and not fluff at all. And the facts and then people, these parents talk about it. Anyway, if you go online, kmov.com slash fentanyl, not only can you see that one hour documentary, but they have other coverage that they've been doing. They've been really doing great coverage. And and it's not just for ratings. It's a and they also have resource guides and places you can call and people you can talk to. And it's just really a remarkable uh, exhibit of or, or example of public. What do they call public information? Public they, service. Public service. It's really good. And I recommend it highly. So, Carl, just real quick before we wrap up, it's the last show of the Muni's 104th season. Going tonight to see Joseph. I hope to see you there. I will I'm, be there. Uh, it's got a really good cast tonight. And uh, Michael Gilmore, who is playing the Pharaoh, he was one of the deep voiced guys in jesus christ superstar <laughs> and oh, he was one, in, of, one of the pharisees yeah and he was uh he was in smoky joe's cafe last year and so he's he's in it but jo jason gote who is playing joseph he was prince eric he's been in a ton of uh roles at the at the Muni, a lot of Disney. So he should be good, but it's a whole good, it's going to be really solid. And I'm sure it's going to be colorful and fun. Not one of my favorite shows, but I'll it's go. It's very in. short though. The show is very short. That is a good thing, but yeah, no, it's been quite a season. They've really had, um, uh, had uh, quite the challenges, but also overall, yes. it's been a really groundbreaking season. So I'm happy. Uh, the Spelling Bee, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee is at Stray Dog Theater. And we've had them on before, but we didn't right. have them on for this show. But it is just so much fun and delightful and interactive. And it's got this great cast who's very nimble with improv with improvisation. But uh, they are close to sellouts the rest of the run. So if you want to get your tickets, you have to go to Stray Dog. You better do it. org because it is it's just one of those really fun things to witness. And they pull people from the audience and they put current humor in it. Like the one guy's all upset because the Chaco Taco was dropped. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, Lynn, where can we find you socially? I am on all the socials. I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times uh, every Friday. And oh, online Monday, my review of In the Heights at Stages will be in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And I am on KTRS Radio every Thursday night with Ray Hartman after 10 p.m. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. Alex McPherson, one of my reviewers, he has done Prey on Hulu and speaks very highly of it, loved it. I and honestly have never seen any of the Predator movies. This is number I, seven. I think I saw the one with Adrian Brody. Oh, wow. So um, our buddy Max said the only two Predators you need to meet watch are Predator and Prey. 
Okay. Well, how about that? And then Chaz Adams has been doing opera uh, reviews for me, and he has oh. the one from Union Avenue Opera for Falstaff. So go to poplifestl.com. I will be on Jennifer and Wendy's show Monday morning at 1020 on KTRS to discuss Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Excellent. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk and on the weekends on Second Amendment Radio and the great outdoors on KMOX on Sundays either after or before the ballgame. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Stay safe. Keep cool.